Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. I mean, you know, it's just that morning, right? So, so here's what's going on. I, you know, I walk in today, and uh, my iPad was acting a little goofy. And, and I use my iPad to, to preach my message. It's acting goofy right now. And I was talking to Ken Nelson, and I said, man... It's tough when you depend on technology, right? <laughs> and then the screen goes out, so here's where we are. But we are glad that you guys are here with us this morning. And here's the deal. Man, God doesn't need technology, and we don't need technology to worship him. And so I know that, that second song was a newer song to, to most of us here, but I, I, I think it was just a powerful point in time in worship when that first song went off. And it's like we're not depending on anything else other than worshiping the Lord in this moment right now. And just a wonderful time of worshiping with us. So we just want to thank you guys for being here and want to thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Um, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to 1 John. We're going to be 1 John chapter 1. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to walk through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Um, that's what kind of our getting back into the new year last week was kind of an introduction for us as we looked at a different passage of Scripture outside of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But now we're in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We're going to work our way uh, through there. I, I've got these cards that are right here. In fact, on this table that Aaron and I stand at at the end of the service, we, we have these are right now media cards. Uh, so what we're doing, and we, we like to do this at the beginning of semesters, is I'll be preaching through through my series, and, and while we're doing that, there's a Right Now Media series that walks along with that as well. And so the one that we're partnering with in this is through uh, Dr. Tony Evans. And so we as a church, through the tithes and offerings, we collect part of what we do with that is we pay for our church to have a subscription to that. So you can go grab one of these cards if you don't already have a Right Now Media account, and you can sign up for one. It is completely free for you. Also with that, and we're saying this on a live stream, and this is not going to get me in trouble because Right Now Media told us this. If you have friends or family and they would like to join that and they're not a part of our church, you can do this, all right? This isn't Netflix that limits us to accounts. We can, we can share all that we want to and all that we want to do, and so we want to make sure that we do that, all right? Now, over the next eight weeks, what we're going to do on Sunday morning is really just kind of whet the appetite of all that is found in here. We, we can't dive in. Uh, we're, while we're going to read every verse, we're going to look at every verse, we can't dive into all of the meat and move through these. And so we're hoping that we can whet the appetite. And whether it's with your small group, whether it's with your family at home, that you can walk through these, unpack these during your quiet time and just really work. And we're excited to see what God's going to do. Now tonight we are starting back. All of our discipleship is going to start back with our kids and our students tonight at four o'clock. And so if you've got uh, kids, students, we'd love to have them here with us tonight as, as we open up God's Word and continue a journey and in that. And also if you're looking for 
for a smaller group to connect with, we would love to help you do that as well. So, so just really quickly, a little bit, a little mini um, introduction to some of the context of First, Second, and Third John. First, Second, and Third John are written by John, son of Zebedee, that you see in the Gospels, and this is also the one who wrote the Gospel of John. He's the one that's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, or the beloved disciple, depending on the translation uh, that you have. Now, in First John, there are three themes that, that you're going to see as we read through these. Now, we, we've kind of branded this as uncomfortable Christianity for us, and we talked about that a little bit last week of what that looks like, but, but what John is calling them back to is true doctrine, obedient living, and total devotion. And so John's going to press into his audience these as he's calling them to this faith in Christ that is going to be beyond this superficial, comfortable relationship. And it's the same thing for us of what Christ is calling us to as we, as we come to serve him in all that we are, that there is no such thing as part-time follower of Jesus Christ, that this is what God's word demands from us and, and challenges us. And so as we walk through this each week, this is what we're going to see as we study God's word. And so what I want us to do this morning, we're going we're to cover all of chapter 1, we're going to cover part of chapter 2, so we're going to move really quickly um, through these sections, but we'll start off and read the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1. It says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have held concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. So let's Look at these first few verses in this introduction that we see here from John. Now, John does something that I found that was really interesting. But as we begin this, there's some verbiage that comes up that should maybe spark in our minds, like we've seen this other places in Scripture. He he starts off and says, that which was from the beginning. Straws us to some of the language in Genesis chapter 1, where it begins, in the beginning, right? God made heavens and the earth. But also, not from 1 John 1, but it reminds us of John 1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so now John begins this with, that which was from the beginning, And so pointing them to what he knows, what he has seen, what he's experienced and witnessed of God. Well, look what he continues with. He says, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, and our hands have held. This is what John says in in verse 1. But then he continues on, and the life was made manifest so that it's not just far off God, it's Jesus Christ is God, that we've seen it, we've testified to it, we proclaim claim to you as this life in Christ was made manifest among us. And here's what John is doing. Here's what I think is really powerful and really applicable to my life and to yours this morning. John's laying down a foundation as as he's going to share all of these things about Christ, he's not sharing them as a theologian. He's not sharing them as a scholar. He's all of these things, but John is sharing them from experience. 
John is saying, I'm going to tell you about Jesus because I know Jesus. I've experienced Jesus. I've, I've heard him. I've seen him. I've looked upon him. I've witnessed him. I can testify to him. This is who Jesus is. And so as we dive through into this, I want to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus or do you just know about Jesus? Do you know Jesus or do you just know about Jesus? Now, knowing about Jesus is good. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to gain in our knowledge. And knowledge of God and knowledge of the ways of God is really good. But it just can become information if we don't know Jesus. And knowing Jesus means we're interacting with him. We, we talk to him. We know him both from the word, uh, the truth of his word, but the truth of our relationship with him. And the beauty of that is this, that they won't contradict each other. And this is special. And when the light begins to turn on from what we've read, from what we've been told, and when it resonates and settles on our life, that when biblical truth becomes practically lived out and experienced, and then that's what it means to not just know about Jesus, but to know Jesus. Let me kind of explain what this looks like. Everyone in here, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we would all say yes and amen and agree to the biblical truth of trusting God. A part of what it means to be a follower of Christ is that we trust God with everything. We all know this, right? And it's a powerful truth to share with people when they're going through some difficult times in their life. It's a wonderful piece that we can share, that we can give hope and, and remind them of, hey, you know what, as you walk through this, I know it's difficult. As you walk through this, I know it's a battle, but as you walk through this, just know and remember that you can trust the Lord. And it's not just what we can say, but what we can read to them. We can, we can quote verses like Proverbs 3, 5, to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And the beauty of that is this, that you don't have to trust what you can understand or comprehend, but you can trust the Lord. And that is truth from God's word. But if we end there and we walk away in that moment, we've shared God's truth We've shared his word, but we haven't shared how we've experienced that. And the power of not just sharing from the truth of God's word, but the power in sharing from the experience as we testify to God's power. And we testify what it looks like to trust him. I can stand up here all day and say, trust the Lord and lean not in your own understanding. But when we can walk through the details of what that looks like, it begins to resonate that this isn't just something that Bo knows, but this is something that he believes, and this is something that he's experienced with the Lord. A few years ago, 
we as a family went through a dark, dark season. It was a very hard time in the Bradbury house with some situations that were dealt to us, and we processed them. We processed all the emotions that come with it. We processed the anger. We processed fear. We processed confusion. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the reminder of the truth of trust. And it's like, okay, Lord, as we've walked through, we've tried to handle this through anger. We've tried to handle this through fear. We've tried to handle this through confusion. And we still are, are a little mad. We're still a little concerned. We're still a little confused. But Lord, what we understand is this situation cannot be held in our hands. But what we understand is that this situation is held in your hands. And Lord, we release it and we trust you. And what God did was let us not know what it looks like to trust him, but what it looks like to experience trusting him. And what we saw in it and on the other side of it was God's faithfulness beyond what we had could describe or beyond what we'd experienced before. Because we trust him. And so John shares here, I'm not just going to talk about what I know. I'm going to talk about what I know. I'm going to talk about what I've experienced. I'm going to talk about what I've seen. And this is for a reason. Look at verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have relationship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And so John says, here's why it's more than a class that we sit through. Here's why studying God's word is different than a textbook. Because what comes from this is we experience this is we desire that you may know this and that you may have the fellowship with us that's found only in a relationship with God. John says that you, that you may have fellowship with us, but then he describes what the fellowship is that he's talking about. It's not just hanging out. It's that because truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. When, when we share from experience, we share from vulnerability. And that's tough. That's hard. That's uncomfortable. But we share from vulnerability for a reason. Because it's bigger than our story. It's bigger than our emotion. It's bigger than our feeling. It's bigger than any of that. It's so that others may share in the fellowship. That others can experience the relationship with the Lord. He, he continues on about this, this message. Look at verse 5 through 10 for me. 
He says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So there's this challenge that we're going to get. There's this challenge that John presents, and it's walking in darkness or walking in light. Well, look at verse, like at verse five, John begins his, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So what does it mean that God is light? And we can look at that illustration in a lot of different ways, depending on where we are in Scripture, the, the beautiful imagery that God is light. But what we gain from here, we'll get this in just a second, that the imagery that John is, is painting for us here is that God is truth. So we see in verse 6, and if God is truth, then God is the measure of what is true. If we say we have fellowship with him, verse 6, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So let's look at this for just a second. If God is light, which means God is truth and God is the measure of what is true, then guess who is not the measure of what is true? Look at us, me, you, the world. We are not the measure of what is true, God is. And so when we look at this, it's not based on how I feel, it's not based on what I determine, it's not based on what I want, it's based in God and who he is and what he's determined, and what he's decided, and what he has set. And he determines what is true. And so if we say we have relationship with him, fellowship with him, saving relationship with Christ, but yet we, we do not walk in his light, but walk in darkness, we do not practice, we do not walk in truth. And I love this illustration. Walking in darkness. <laughs> Last night, about one o'clock in the morning, I wake up to this horrific noise. And I don't know what is happening. I don't know what is taking place. I don't know where I am. Because it's dark. And in that moment, I wake up in such a panic, I feel the kindness embrace of my wife's hand, who, and she says to me, 
go to sleep the dog's dream, and he's been doing this for like 30 minutes, right? I had no clue where I was. I had no clue what I was doing. It was in that moment. She's the light sleeper. I'm the heavy sleeper. She's like, dear, I've been dealing with this. You just need to go back to bed, right? But we had this, this moment because in there, it's in the dark. And so John uses this picture that we can all understand, that we can all relate to, as he describes God in the term of light. That light is the description of God's truth. And so as we draw from Scripture, as we lean in, what we begin to understand that just as light does, God's truth helps us understand where we are going. That God's truth helps us expose the dangers of this world. That God's truth helps bring us warmth in the, in the areas of our life where we're struggling the most. And that God's truth, God's light brings with it life and hope. And so John says, walk in the light. Desire for God and the things of God. It's not just enough. And we, we talked about this last week. It's not just enough to be able to say, Jesus, I want you to save me, but not change me. It's Jesus, save me and transform me by the power of your word. And in verse 7, was John commands us to walk in the light, he, he gives us two reasons. Now, this isn't all the reasons why to walk in the light, but two that he, he points us to. In verse 7, he says that when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. When we walk in the light, we have unified fellowship with one another. There's commonality. All right, here, here's a nervous statement that I'm going to make for all of us today. Have you ever been on a bad date with a good person? Think back to your single days, right? A bad date with a good person. You met this individual at school, you met this individual at work, you all had some things that you talked about, and you thought, yeah, this will be pretty good. So for the guys, you, you ask her out. For the girls, you're like, yeah, I'll go out on a date with him, right? And so you go out and you have a bad first date with a really good person. And here's what I mean by a bad first date with a really good person. You sit down to have dinner and there's nothing to talk about. Their hopes different than yours, their dreams different than yours, their plans different than yours, your desires different than, than theirs, their hobbies different than yours, their goals different than yours. Everything that you want from life is different than what they want. They're not a bad person. It's just a terrible first date. And you're all sitting there, and at the end of it, it's like, good night, good night, go home, we're good, right? Bad first date with a really good person. Here's the beauty of what the gospel does for us. The gospel takes a bunch of different people, unique people, with different hopes, different dreams, different plans, different desires, different hobbies, different goals. And the gospel doesn't say, lose these aspects of yourself. What the gospel does is unites us around that which is bigger than all of those and unites us in Christ. 
And so we're unified in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And while our uniqueness doesn't change our, our, or maybe our path that we long to go down with these hopes and the dreams, but it changed the calling of it from the beginning. And what unifies us is Christ. And that's the fellowship that we share. So in here, we have people with different plans, different passions, different pursuits. We have people with different levels of education, different people with different socioeconomic backgrounds. We have people who speak different languages, right? We have people who put on orange and people who put on garnet, right? And we pray for each other, you know? That's what we do. But united under Christ and the fellowship that's there. But he also says that it's cleansed us from our sin because we walk in the light. Cleansed us from our sin because we walk in the light. So, so what does that mean that it cleanses us from our sin? The, the first part with that is that we begin desire to desire the things of God. So we talked about last week. When we get saved, we begin to desire the things that are different than the things that we desired before. And so we begin to desire the things of the Lord. It begins to change the parts and aspects of us to begin to think through things differently as we become more and more like Christ. So we desire the things of God. But then we also get to experience the things as we walk through the light, as we're cleansed in this relationship with him. And so we experience sanctification in our life, the defeat of sin as we walk through and we journey. As we walk through becoming more and more like Christ, we see more and more areas of our life that are not God-honoring, that are not God-exalting. And the beauty of that is, is we begin to experience victory in those. But we also get to experience not only the sanctification that comes in that, but we get to experience the justification that is with that as well. And so we experience the truth and the reality that every single day who we are in Christ, that we are sons and daughters of the living God and the beauty of that. And John continues on in verses 8 and 9 and talking about the light. And he says that light also does this. Light reveals the remaining darkness. Look back at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, John says we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so the evidence the fruit of God's love and presence in our life. We love to experience the joy of God. We love to experience the peace of God. We love to experience the satisfaction in relationship with him. We love to experience the, the wonderful fellowship that we have amongst one another. But what we also get to experience in God's grace is the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings with us. So that it's not there and we feel like we are the ones that arrived with the beauty of the Holy Spirit 
as we begin to peel back the different areas of our life, the different sin, to expose the darkness that's there. And what we find is the truth of the change of what he's calling us to and he's bringing about and the healing and the growth that comes from that so that we, we cannot say that you and I, we have no sin and deceive ourselves. If that's you, then God's word says the truth of God, it's not in you. Because he's faithful to forgive. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word isn't in us. He's going to continue on in this. I want us to look at in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. John says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his, his word... Truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Verse 7, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which, uh, <clears throat> which thing is true in him, and you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so as John makes his appeal, in these 11 verses, he's going to talk about forgiveness, obedience, and love. Foundational pieces of who we're to be when we are found in Christ. To embrace forgiveness, to embrace obedience, and to embrace love. So let's look at God's forgiveness that he describes here. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's the goal. Sin destroys. I think sometimes we, we feel like sin is bad for us, but it's bad, like, eating maybe, like, the supersize fries, you know, for us. Like, that's not the right decision, but, you know, whatever. It's just a little bit worse than the other, you know? And we minimize what sin does, and sin destroys. When you look at the fall, and we see that through one sin, the brokenness that was brought and the brokenness between God and man. Later on this spring, we're going to journey through the, the book of Genesis. 
And what we're going to see as we journey through is the sin that came and the sin that broke and the sin that destroyed. And this destroyed lives. Sin destroys marriages. Sin destroys culture. Sin destroys churches. Sin destroys. We're called in Scripture to kill it, but we often embrace it. We often, we're, we're told to flee from it, but we find that we run to it. And so John writes, he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's the standard. And he says, and if anyone sins, the beauty of the gospel, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so he comes and he says that Jesus in this is our advocate, is who he is. And this is a legal term that, that John adds, and an advocate is, is the person who stands in between a person and a judge and pleads their case. It's almost the imagery of what we get with a lawyer and what they do, that this is what an advocate does. And so the Bible teaches us that Jesus stands continually between our repentant hearts and the law of God and pleads for us continually over and over again. But not only is he the advocate that stands in between, but look at verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And so he serves as propitiation, that he serves as the payment. Because as he stood in between, guess what we found? Guilty. We are guilty guilty. And so he doesn't stand in between and provide excuses. He stands in between and provides the payment for our sins. And this is God's forgiveness. It's not just forgetting it and hope we get better, but it's forgiving us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The next part that John gives is, is our call to obedience. Look back at verse three through six. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. By this we know that we know him. By this we know we rest we have confidence that we know him. And so John has explained God's, uh, God's forgiveness that he gives to us, but that he also then talks about those of us who have been forgiven by him, our desires 
to obey him. That God gives us the Holy Spirit who lives in us to guide us and to convict us. Three questions that I journal through about myself that I think are important for us as we walk through our obedience with the Lord and our desire to become more like him, our desire to obey him more and more areas of our life. And it gives us areas to celebrate, but also areas to ponder and to look forward to in our life. Question number one is to ask yourself this, where have you been changed? Where has God worked in your life that you can sit back and celebrate what he's done? and praise him that he's changed you and praised him that he's worked in your life and praised him that you're not now who you were before. Where have you changed? But then the second question is right now, where are you changing? What are those areas in your life right now that God's begin to work on in your soul, in your spirit to create in you a heart more and more like his? You see, because I find oftentimes when we ask the question, how has God worked or how was God working, we talk about the things that God did 10, 15, 20 years ago. And those things are wonderful, things that we celebrate, things that we praise him because of what he's done. But also the question, so that we're not stale, is where is he changing you right now? And then lastly, whew, here's what God did. Here's what God's doing and what do you see that God still needs to do? You know, we talked about this last week. The gospel doesn't allow me to say and me to feel, well, this is just who I am, and so it has to be good enough. That the gospel changed us, the gospel is changing us, and the gospel desires to continue changing us. And folks, that's obedience. To understand that I have not arrived, but I've arrived in a relationship with him. And he is ever working and ever moving in my life. God loves you too much to save you and then leave you where you are. It's not how he works. And then lastly, and we'll conclude with this, is love for one another. This is brethren, I write no new commandment to you but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Loving God and loving his people. Loving God is beautiful. I don't know about you. God saved me when I was 22 years old. Radically, powerfully changed me. 
radically, powerfully saved me. I'll never forget where I was. I'll never forget what I was doing. I'll never forget the date. June 1st, 2001, at the bottom of the Tallulah Gorge, sitting on a rock in the middle of the river, and God took me and saved me. And loving him, not being obedient to him, but loving him has been easy. Being obedient has been a work that he has done and a work that he is doing. But loving him has been good and sweet and beautiful in difficulty and in times of celebration. He hasn't failed me and he never will. And he loves me in spite of everything that I've done and everything that I will do. Loving God is easy. Loving others, it's not so easy. It's a choice. It's a process. It's a work. It's a prayer. It's a desire. It's a cry for change. That God calls us to love one another. That you and I within the context of this church, but also you and I with others in the context of the Big C Church, in other denominations, in other languages, in other cultures, that we're called to love one another. That the Bible doesn't say that when we're saved, we become acquaintances. That the Bible doesn't say that when we're saved, we become people that we know and share commonality. The Bible doesn't say that when we're saved, we become partners in a religious system. That the Bible says that when we're saved, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're unified in him. I heard a pastor say this past week, That saying you love God but not his people is like saying you love your dad but refusing to eat dinner with the family. There's something that's lacking there. It doesn't mean that people hurt because they do. It doesn't mean that there's not a battle that's there because there is. But God calls us to love his people. And how's that done? Just like everything else, that we recognize that it's not in our ability, that it's not in who we are, but it's found in the transformation, in the work, in the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't love the groom and hate the bride. The love that God calls us to. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you this morning. And God, we thank you for your word. God, that you love us. You forgive us.
You call us. You change us, Lord, and you send us. Lord, I pray that as we walk through this, that the question that begins to resonate in us is, is this. Do I know about Jesus? Or do I know Jesus? And knowing about you, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. To know about you, to open up your word, and to learn about your love and your kindness and your compassion. But to know you means that all that we've heard, all that we've been taught, that, that, that you reside in us, that we have experienced you. And so now your love is not just what's been told to us in a story, but your love is what we have experienced in our life. To trust you is not just a cliche statement that we cling to, but we can show the battle wounds of walking through some of the most difficult times and difficult days of our life, but to see that through all of that, Lord, that while people may have hurt us, but that situations may have, have caused damage in our life, but Lord, what we walk through and see is that your faithfulness never wavered, and what we saw over and over and time and time again was the goodness and sweetness of God. Lord, and as we've experienced you, Lord, you're calling us walk in obedience. Be my people of love. God, may that ring true on us. God, I pray for us as we leave here to go Lord, that when we have opportunities to share, we won't share from what we've been told, but Lord, we'll share from what we've experienced. From the goodness and sweetness of God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.